0: Can you continue to clap your hands into the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus? Come on, if you're thankful for the blood of Jesus that cleansed you and washed you, can somebody just tell the Lord how much you're thankful? Hallelujah, Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Your blood flows red. it's made me white. I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love, Lord Jesus. We're not going to wait till Easter. We're not going to wait till Resurrection Sunday. But we're going to let you know here today, Lord, that we're thankful for the work that you did on the cross. We're thankful that you are alive today. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, turn to three people and tell them we're clean today. Hopefully you were able to say that with confidence. But if you were not able to say that with assurance, I'm happy to tell you that before you leave this place, you can leave saying, I'm clean. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. While we were making our way down from Michigan, we've been in Michigan for a couple weeks, and, and um, we were making our way down. We stopped in Indianapolis and then drove in here to St. Louis Metro East. And while we were making our way down um, 70, there was a bad accident obviously that rerouted our trip. And so we, we dropped down at Effingham, got off at Salem and began to make our way across until we came to O'Fallon. But while we were making our way across from, from Salem, We drove through a town called Carlisle, and Carlisle is special to me. I don't think I've ever taken my kids there, Um, but if I remember correctly, my wife and I, I think that's the first time we have been there in a long time. But Carlisle is special to me is because it was the first place I preached revival. I was still in Bible school in St. Louis, and um, I was asked to come preach revival there. My wife and I, uh, and just never forget what the Lord did in that revival. Some wonderful things, you know, back when I was younger, I was more idealistic. And, uh, you know, there was zeal, but there was a whole lot of knowledge, even though I was in Bible school. And so I just believe that God can do anything. And so I would just try to step out in faith or in foolishness. And, uh, but there were some things that the Lord was doing back then that I'm not, uh, I'm not used by God in that way as much as I used to be when I was younger. But I would just, man, I just stepped out in faith. and I still believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And, um, but in that revival, I just remember that because of the instructions of my wife's pastor, Brother Urshan, he said, Ethan, in our organization, if you're using the gifts of the Spirit, people will try to use you. They will try to misuse you. So he said, you just preach the word and you just wait till the altar. And so in that revival, I remember I had been there a year before, had preached and had stepped down the gifts of the spirit, probably, you know, fumbled everything. I'm not a I, I'm not. I, your spirit just put me in check, Sister Frost. But uh, and so. Um, but anyhow, in that revival, I just simply preached the word. And I got in trouble in that revival. I got in trouble for just preaching the word. But the Lord allowed me to hear a conversation. I'll never forget this. Your father was a great evangelist and a pastor, but I remember hearing somebody's conversation. They were criticizing us, and it wasn't because I had an issue with anybody, but I heard word for word. And so I'm saying all this to say this. The Lord gave me a message for Sunday morning. He said, I don't want you to, to try to operate in the gifts. I want you just to preach about the blood and I'll never forget what I was I preached one of the shortest message I ever preached my kids were like dad you need to go back to those days <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget preaching about the blood and I didn't even get finished with my message when the man came down the middle aisle walked down to the altar while I was still preaching and the blood of Jesus began to work and the Lord began to cleanse that man, and before it was all said and done, he was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I told you that long story to tell somebody that there is power in the blood. I said, the blood of Jesus can forgive you, can cleanse you, can deliver you, can make you free from anything that you've done in your life. If anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? Once again, uh, can you clap your hands and can somebody give God praise? Uh-huh. Oh, you, Jesus. We magnify your name. Turn somebody and say, thank God for the blood. Amen. We're so thankful for what the Lord is doing here this morning. Amen. Such a wonderful presence of the Lord. Amen. I thank God for the praise team. Didn't the praise team do an excellent job here today? Amen. I mean that sincerely. When we stepped into the sanctuary, I said, man, it sounds like I'm, I'm just rocking in my car. I got the you know, the worship going on. It sounded so professional, so anointed. I said, man, I need to get their autographs after service is over. They're just awesome. But I appreciate the anointing that is here right now. And the Lord has ministered. The Lord is working. And the reason why all that is happening is because he loves us. And he wants somebody to know that he can change your life here today. Praise God. One more time. Can you lift up your hands and can somebody ask the Lord to have his way in this place? Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for what you're doing today. We ask that you continue to have your way. Anoint the ministry of your word, dear God. Anoint your servant in this congregation to hear your word, to receive your word, and to respond to your word. And with this threefold fold code of anointing, we're asking that you break every yoke of bondage. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Can somebody shout in Jesus' name? One more time, clap your hands into the Lord while you are being seated. God bless you today. You may be seated. Amen. We love and appreciate your pastor and his precious wife, brother and sister Sabochi. We give them honor here today. We thank God for this wonderful couple, their genuineness, their authenticity, their walk with God. And we are so appreciative of their love for us and for this congregation. How many of you appreciate pastor and sister Sabochi? <laughs> Amen. You know, the Lord has really blessed this church with excellent leadership. Yeah, yeah. And not just their inside. I turned to Sister Frost when your pastor, just exhorting a few moments ago. I said, I wish I was that smart. I said, I'm, I'm just ready to give up right now. I mean, that was just profound what he said a few moments ago about the serpent in the wilderness and about the, the eastern sky. I thought, my God, I'm ready to go to heaven right now. <laughs> but last night, I told my wife and my kids, I said, I got a glimpse into your pastor's life when I heard his story. We were just talking about Ukraine, and uh, we're truly blessed here today to be able to come into the house of the Lord to worship in a country that's still, at least for now, I know we're in Illinois, (laughs) but at least still for now, we still are a country that believes in the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech and the right to assemble and uh, we're truly blessed. There are those that in Ukraine do not have the opportunity that we have today amen. to be able to worship God. But while I was listening to your pastor share his story, amen, I, I realized there's somebody who, who can relate in more than just seeing things on the screen, reading it on our phones, but somebody who lived it and has a testimony. And I just appreciate the life experiences of your pastor and his wife and their walk with God. If there's anybody that can question God, your pastor could do that. But here he is leading this congregation because he knows that God is real. Once again, can you clap your hands and thank the Lord for your pastor and his wife? Amen. And to all the wonderful leadership of this church, I give all the ministers honor. Amen. Our friends, those that are here, those that are getting some r r Just appreciate this wonderful leadership team. Sister Switzer, give you honor. Amen. We were in Michigan. There's some people asking about Sister Switzer. How are you doing? But well, we give you honor. Can we give Sister Switzer and all this wonderful leadership team? We appreciate each and every last one of you. Praise God. And to all of our guests that are here today, whether you're here in person or watching online, we thank you for being here. Can we give all of our guests a wonderful hand clap here today? Thank you for joining with us. Praise God. You know, the Bible says that with God, all things are possible. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that with God, all things are possible? If you believe that, can you just wave a hand towards heaven? Ladies and gentlemen, I come to tell somebody here this morning, if you believe that with God, all things are possible then it does not matter what your sickness is. It does not matter what your disease is. It does not matter what your situation is. With God, uh, all things are possible. Our God is still a healer. I said our God is still a miracle worker. I know we've come through, amen, and we're still dealing with, amen, this pandemic, this COVID. But can I tell somebody that our God can heal any sickness? Our God can heal any disease. It does not matter what it is. Our God is still in the healing business. If you believe that if you have a a testimony that God has healed you in your body, that God, if you are a miracle today, I wonder, can somebody clap your hands and can somebody give God praise here today? With God, all things are possible. I come to tell somebody, not only can God heal you in your body, but I come to let somebody know that the Lord can deliver you of any struggle and of any addiction. I said, our God is a deliverer. Amen. Years ago, when I first preached in New York, up in New York, many of the churches are Jamaican, and uh, there's a song that they sing, Jesus is a deliverer. Jesus is a deliverer. Jesus is a deliverer. I know he delivered me. Ladies and gentlemen, I come to tell somebody, amen, that he is a deliverer. And the reason why I know that he is a deliverer is because he delivered me. Amen. I don't know about you. I don't know what your story is, but I know what my story is. And I come to tell somebody that if God can set me free, he can set anybody free. If God can cleanse me, he can cleanse anybody. Our God can deliver you from any addiction. Has anybody got a testimony that he can deliver you from drugs? He can deliver you from alcohol. He can deliver you from hatred. He can deliver you from pornography. He, has anybody got a testimony that God can deliver you from just having a bad attitude? Uh, has anybody got that kind of testimony? Can you clap your hands and can somebody show hallelujah? What are you trying to say, Brother Hagan? I'm trying to tell somebody what Jeremiah came to understand, that there is nothing Too hard for God. I said there is nothing too hard for God. With God, all things are possible. If you're thankful for that, can you lift up your hands? And can somebody just express your faith unto the Lord that you believe that with him there is nothing that is impossible. With God, all things are possible. You know, that scripture, that scripture that with God all things are possible I just quoted to you comes from Matthew chapter 19, verse number 26. It's also found in Mark chapter 10, verse number 27. Many times, when we quote that scripture, that verse, it is in reference to the miraculous, to the fact that our God is a healer. With God, all things are possible. That's a good faith scripture. Amen. If you're preaching faith, if you're preaching a healing service, If you're coming to service, needing a healing, that's a great scripture to have in your mind, to to resonate in your spirit. With God, all things are possible. But if you will read that scripture in its context, you will come to understand that Jesus was referring not simply to healing, not just to the miraculous not just about deliverance, but he was referring specifically to salvation and eternal life. Can somebody say eternal life? eternal life? Jesus was addressing his disciples as a result of a conversation he had with a wealthy young man who thought that he could inherit eternal life. We read about this in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26. We don't have the time to read all those scriptures, but it's there recorded in Matthew, but it's also recorded in Mark and Luke as well, in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27, and in Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 27. But there in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in its context, we read about a rich young ruler who approached Jesus with a sincere question. And that question was this What good deed must I do? To have eternal life. What do I have to do to have eternal life? Both Mark and Luke wrote in their Gospels that this rich young ruler asked Jesus the question like this. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Ladies and gentlemen, in that sincere question, we also see the misconception of his question. He thought that he could inherit eternal life like he inherited his wealth. No doubt, amen. Grandparents, great-grandparents possibly passed down the wealth, amen, down the family line. And he was able to grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth. He thought that he should inherit salvation, inherit eternal life just like he inherited his wealth. He felt deserving because of his lifestyle, because of his status in life. He had an entitlement mentality. What must I do? What can I do? What can I pay to inherit eternal life? Actually, I don't think I need to pay anything because I've been good enough to receive it on my own merit. I think I should receive it just like I received an inheritance from my father. Good master, what must I do to inherit? Eternal life. Though his question was sincere, his heart wasn't right. You know, there are a lot of sincere people, but sincerity will not save you. Sincerity will not cause God to feel sorry for you. Sincerity, ladies and gentlemen, only leads us to a place where God can do a work in our lives. But when it's all said and done, we've got to still remain open. We've got to still open up our hearts. we still got to open up our minds. We cannot be closed. We cannot have a clenched fist or a hard heart. But we must allow God to work through that sincerity to bring us to a point of salvation. Though this man had a sincere question, it was misguided because ladies and gentlemen I will submit to you here this morning that you cannot inherit eternal life by your own good works I said you cannot inherit eternal life by your own good works. Amen. Nobody in this place is deserving enough. Nobody watching online. It does not matter. Amen. What good deeds you have done. It does not matter how much uh, you give to charity. It does not matter how many times uh, you've walked into this building. I thank God there is an all night prayer meeting. Uh, Amen. Just a few weeks ago I was preaching in a revival in Michigan. I I don't know why I shared the story of of, uh, being in an all night prayer meeting. The only Time I've seen the Shekinah glory of God, Amen. Was in an all-night prayer meeting. I thank God uh, that there are some Amen young people who said we need to pray, uh, we need to get a hold of God in this day and age. But can I remind somebody? It doesn't matter if you go into an all-night prayer meeting. It doesn't matter how much money you've given to the church to missions. I thank God for our missionaries. I I appreciate our missionaries, Amen. I thank God that this church uh, is a missions-minded church. But it does not matter how much you've given. Does not matter how. Far you've traveled, amen. I come to remind somebody that based on our own works, uh, we cannot save ourselves. Nobody in this place is good enough in and of themselves uh, to inherit eternal life. The Bible makes that clear. Salvation cannot be earned based on your own good merit or based on your own good works because none of us are good in and of ourselves. Nobody in this place is inherently good. That's why when I hear people say, well, they were good. They were a good person. They're going to heaven. Amen. My heart goes out. I don't judge anybody. Amen. Because God's the ultimate judge. I don't know them. But what I do know is that when it's all said and done, you've got to do it God's way. I said it's got to be done God's way. It's not our way. It doesn't matter how good somebody may seem. The Bible tells us, amen. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul, quoting from the Psalms, wrote that as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The apostle Paul also wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He said, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. The next scripture says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I'm not here to say that we should not do good deeds, uh, amen. When God saves you, he saves you unto good works. There are some people that say, well, I don't have to live that lifestyle. I don't have to, amen, act that way. I don't have to, amen, talk that way. I don't have to walk that way. I don't have to live that lifestyle. But ladies and gentlemen, when God saves you by his grace, uh, he saves you unto good works but we cannot be saved our own way, amen. When the Bible talks about works, amen, the apostle Paul was writing from the context of the law, amen, the ceremonial law, the dietary law, but God's moral law is still in place. But there were those who thought that just because they were circumcised, just because, amen, they didn't eat a cheeseburger, just because they didn't eat any ribs, just because they didn't eat any catfish. Praise God, I'm getting hungry right now. Those things were an abomination according to the dietary law, but thank God for the blood. Thank God the Lord has done I come from Memphis. Our ministry is based in Kansas City. We like barbecue. My Lord, the first thing we had to eat was sugar fire. I walked in sugar fire, saw, amen, your relative, amen, and I I just said, I know I'm in the right place. This is God's country. I, I saw Sugar Fire and somebody with the Cardinals hat on. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm no longer in Michigan. <laughs> now, I'm in the right part of Illinois. God help you Cubs fans. <laughs> but based on the law, you couldn't have a cheeseburger. You couldn't have ribs. Amen. There are those who thought that because they were eating kosher, they were righteous in and of themselves. And Paul had to explain to everybody and say, hold on now. Amen. The law is only to bring us to Christ. But the law in and of itself cannot save us. Amen. You can do all the good works that you want to do based upon the Old Testament law. But when it's all said and done, you need Jesus. I said, when it's all said and done, if it was not for the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, if he had never laid down his life in the garden of Gethsemane, if he had never, amen, been nailed to the tree, if he had never, amen, been buried in the tomb, if he never came alive again, then everything that we are doing today would be in vain, but ladies and gentlemen, because Jesus Christ died and came alive again, because God, amen, is able to look through the sacrifice of his manifestation in the flesh and see the work of his son uh, he is able to look through us no matter what we have done uh, no matter how many times we have lied uh, no matter how many times we have stolen uh, no many times amen you've cheated on your taxes uh, no many times amen that you've done somebody wrong uh, no, amen no matter how many times amen you've committed amen immorality no matter how many times uh, you have blasphemed the name of god the lord uh, look past all of that and he looked at the cross uh, he saw you through the cross uh, and because of his grace because of God's favor today, because of the blood, because somebody was willing to have faith in the work that Jesus Christ did for you, we are able to experience salvation. We are able to be forgiven. We are able to be cleansed. We are able to be washed by the blood. We are able to take on his name. We are able to be filled with this spirit, not because we are worthy, not because we are deserving, but because he is worthy. Is anybody thankful for what Jesus Christ did? for you uh, if you are able I want to can somebody stand to your feet uh, can you put your hands together and can somebody glorify the name of Jesus (laughs) turn somebody again tell them thank God for the blood turn somebody and tell them thank God for grace amen the Bible makes it clear You may be see that the only way you and I can be saved is by faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on Calvary when he died on the cross. We're not good enough in and of ourselves. We cannot save ourselves or inherit eternal life. It is not entitled to us. I'm thankful I've been raised in church all my life, but just because I was raised in an apostolic church does not mean that I am entitled Ladies and gentlemen, we do not believe in once saved, always saved around here. Now, we don't believe that if you sneeze, you lose your salvation either. Praise God. I can't lie to you. When I get cut off, I might flicker my lights. They catch me at the wrong time. I might honk my horn. And I do come from Memphis. So every now and then, I might try to speed up and cut them back off. And then I repent, I repent. <laughs> I said, Lord, bless them. <laughs> you know, I come from the South. You could say, bless them, Lord, after you talk about anybody. You can talk about anybody. Just say, bless them, Lord, at the end. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, amen. I do not believe that we can have an entitled mentality and just coast in our faith with the Lord. I don't believe that you can lose your salvation so easily, but I do not believe, amen, according to the scriptures, that we can be entitled to think that just because we believe in the past, that we're okay in the present or for the future. The Bible says that we got to work out our own salvation. We're in fear and trembling. The Bible says that we have to examine ourselves. The apostle Paul said, I subject myself daily, amen, I don't want to preach to others and so myself become a castaway. I Man, I believe that that word castaway is more than just being disqualified. I don't believe that the Apostle Paul was just talking about being disqualified for ministry, but he understood the sense, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. That if the angels lost their first estate, amen. Peter said, amen. That judgment is going to begin at the house of God, and if it begins at the house of God, what's going to be the end for the sinner? The scriptures make it clear, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to make sure that we do not have this entitled mentality. Amen. I I fear that during this pandemic, the Lord has been trying to wake up. I'm off of my notes. I'm I'm just trying to follow the Holy Ghost just for a few seconds. But but I do believe that during this pandemic, amen, the Lord has been trying to get people in the church waking up. To understand, to make sure that you're right in your relationship with God. Because just going to a building will not save you. What happens uh, when the building is closed? What happens uh, when the government said you cannot come into the building? Do you have a relationship with God? I come to tell somebody, amen, that we are privileged today to be able to come into the house of God. Amen. We should never forsake this assembling of ourselves together. I come against this lie from the enemy. I come against this spirit of fear that allows you to use COVID as an excuse to stay away from the house of God. No, don't use an excuse for missing the house of God. But whatever you do, have a relationship beyond just a building. Whatever you do, have a relationship beyond just coming to church. You've got to understand that you are the church. You are the people of God. And if you are the people of God, you've got to have a relationship with God. Does anybody want a real relationship with God? Can you lift up your hands? Can somebody lift up your voice? And from the bottom of your heart, tell the Lord that you love Him? Oh, clap your hands once again into the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, I remind you that Jesus earned salvation for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. This wealthy young man reminds us that you cannot inherit eternal life based on your own good works, and neither can you serve God in money because of his wealth, because of his great possessions. The Bible says either you're going to love one and hate the other, or you're going to hold on to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. When Jesus mentioned to this rich young ruler about keeping the commandments, the rich young ruler replied that he had been doing so since he was young. Jesus mentioned, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie, do not steal. He even threw in, honor your father and mother. He even quoted another, if from, uh, apart from the Ten Commandments, in Matthew, when he talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. But notice that Jesus mentioned the latter half of the Ten Commandments that have to deal with one's relationship with others. But the main problem that this rich young ruler had was his relationship with God, which the first five commandments deal with you're not to have any other gods before me. Amen. You're not to have an idol. You're not to take the name of the Lord in vain. Jesus didn't mention those, but they were implied. He looked at that young man, the Bible says in Mark that he loved him. And then he told him the truth. He said, There's one thing that you lack. First of all, amen, this rich young ruler failed to recognize who Jesus really was. When he said, good master Jesus, there's only one good and that's God. And that rich young ruler looked at him and said, "Um, you're not God, you're just a man. So he just called him master. He didn't realize who Jesus really was. I couldn't tell somebody he's more than just a man. He is God manifested in flesh. He is the only good. He failed to recognize who Jesus was. And secondly, He wasn't willing to forsake all and follow Jesus. When he walked away sorrowful because of the great wealth that he possessed, and when he chose the riches of this world over eternal life, Jesus said to his followers, he said these words to his disciples, and this is my message here today from Matthew chapter 19. Amen. He said this, truly, I say to you, If they could put that on the screen, verse number 23, truly I say to you that it will be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The Bible says that when his disciples heard this, They were greatly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. when Jesus made that statement, it was within the context of saying that there are those who have great wealth that is very hard for them. To enter into eternal life. And when his disciples heard that. Who in the world can be saved? Because we all like a little money. We all would like to live at least a comfortable life. Amen. When they heard that, they said, who in the world can be saved? But he said, hey, I wasn't saying that they cannot be saved. Because with men, this is impossible. But not with God, because with God, all things are possible. There are some who have misinterpreted what Jesus said, saying that those who are rich and wealthy cannot be saved. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not what Jesus said, and that's not what he was saying. He did say that it would be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, which was proverbial language. But Jesus wasn't saying amen, that Those who are wealthy could not be saved. I said Jesus wasn't saying that because that would be discouraging and disheartening to all of us because who doesn't want, amen, to to have some money? Who doesn't want, amen, to live a comfortable life? So Jesus wasn't saying uh, that you cannot be saved if you have money and wealth. Matter of fact, Jesus clarified what he meant when he said, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not money in and of itself. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. It's not so much riches, but it's trusting uh, in riches. Ladies and gentlemen, I come to tell somebody in this house uh, that you don't have to struggle financially in order to be saved. There are those who believe, amen, that we've got to remain on the other side of the tracks. And we've got to remain Pentecostals. And we've got to struggle financially in order to make it to heaven. But that's simply not the case. Can I remind somebody that Pentecostal is how you pronounce it. Amen. It's a little bit more worth than a penny. Pente means 50. At least we're worth 50 cents. Praise God. I come and tell somebody, you don't have to struggle. God desires to bless his people. God wants to open up the windows of heaven. He desires to pour you out a blessing. There's nothing wrong with you enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with you enjoying, amen, the blessings of almighty God. Now, don't worry. I'm not here to preach prosperity gospel. No, don't You don't have to struggle financially in order to be saved. Amen. But neither can you trust in the security of money and wealth for your salvation. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, because of what is happening and transpiring in our world today. Oh, amen. I preached it last Sunday. Amen. I talked about it last night with Pastor Sabochi. And I didn't share specifics, amen, with, with you, Pastor Sabochi, but the Lord did give me a vision in 2020 at the beginning. Of 2020 before the pandemic hit and then the lord just last month gave me another vision praise god i'm not a, a a dreamer i'm not one of those that have visions but i can come to tell somebody here today that because we live in america and the security of this country we think that we're going to go unscathed but i'm telling somebody right now that everything that can be shaken will be shaken and if your trust is in finances, if your trust is in the economy, if your trust is in government, and I'm not anti-government, but I'm telling somebody in this place, if you do not have, man a trust in Jesus Christ, if you are not totally dependent on Jesus Christ, you're going to be shaken. Can I remind somebody that you must totally be dependent on Jesus if you want to be saved? You cannot be saved any other way. The Lord looked at that young man, Amen, and allowed him to walk away. You mean to tell me that the one who went to the cross, Amen, the one who was gonna go to the cross and come alive again, allowed somebody to walk away. You mean to tell me he doesn't save everybody? Amen. I come and tell you that he desires to save everybody, but everybody will not be saved. He will allow you to walk away. He will allow you to take your own will and make a decision and say, I'm not gonna give up everything. I'm not, it's not about the money, it's not about the possessions. Amen. Amen. You're going to get much more if you follow me. Amen. Uh, but what I want you to do is understand that I must be number one in your life. Uh, you cannot serve me and serve your wealth. Uh, come on, somebody. I come to tell you in this place, uh, what does it profit a man uh, to gain the whole world uh, and to lose his own soul? Uh, thank God for your business. Thank God. Uh, amen. That you have a car to drive. But I cannot tell somebody in this place uh, that just because you got a job does not mean that it's supposed to become, uh, amen, number one in your life just because uh, you have a relationship. Relationship with somebody that you love uh, does not mean that they're supposed to be number one in your life just because uh, you have some gift and you have some talents, just because uh, you have a future, just because uh, you have a career does not mean that it's supposed to be number one in your life. Religion uh, is not to be number one. Jesus uh, is to be number one. I come to tell somebody in this place, uh, you've got to be totally dependent on Jesus. uh, In the days that we live in, Uh, nothing else is going to do. You can't make it any other way. Uh, You've got to make sure that you have a relationship with him. Can somebody lift up your hands towards heaven? Can somebody lift up your voice right now? Come on, somebody. If you know you're not saved, you need to be saved today. If you know you have not repented, you need to ask God to forgive you. If you know you have not yet been baptized in Jesus' name, today is the day to be baptized in His name. If you've not yet received the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God wants. To fill you with this spirit, uh, having a relationship with Jesus Christ means more than anything else in the world. Oh, God. <laughs> Ya la 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 Mokoya come on don't let the Lord have to take something from you somebody needs to surrender it on your own will come on what is it in your life that's keeping you from having that relationship that you need with the Lord what's keeping you back from praying what's keeping you back from your Bible reading what's keeping you back from being faithful whatever it is get it out of the way whatever has been number one in your life amen if it's not the Lord get it out of your life amen remove it praise God come on not everything is a sin but some things are a weight that will so easily beset you whatever that weight is remove Move it don't let nothing come in between you and your relationship with the Lord. Oh, stand with me all over this house. Hallelujah. I come to remind all of us here today that Jesus wasn't saying that if you have a little money and a little wealth or a lot of it that you cannot be saved. Here in America, some of the poorest among us are wealthier than many of those who live around the world. So we will all be in trouble here in America if that was the case. That being wealthy can keep you from salvation None of us will be saved. So Jesus wasn't saying that those who are wealthy cannot be saved. But what Jesus was saying, and it's my message today, that it may not be easy, but it's possible. Somebody, if you don't hear me say anything else, somebody hear me right now. Salvation is possible, though it may not be easy. When his disciples asked the question, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can I tell somebody in this place that there are some people that you may think that God cannot save? That they're too far gone that Christ cannot reach them. But the Bible says that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. Those who come to God through him. I come and tell somebody in this place that you may feel like or there might be somebody that you know that you would think that they're out of God's reach but can I remind somebody that he's able to reach those who are far out and those that are near. He's able to reach to the uttermost and save completely. So it doesn't matter how wealthy you are or are not. It doesn't matter how educated you are or not. It doesn't matter, amen, here today how gifted, how talented you are or not. If you are poor in spirit, you can be saved. If you will humble yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus, you can be saved. Because there is no sin that He cannot forgive. There's nothing too dirty that He can't make worthy. He can cleanse you of it. There is no one who comes to him, that he will turn away. There is no one that he will not fill with his spirit. If you hear a voice, if somebody tells you that you cannot receive the Holy Spirit, it's only because of tradition or it's the enemy speaking to you. Because there is nobody, the Lord does not want to fill with his spirit. Somebody say, well, preacher, what about the unpardonable sin? What about blaspheming the Holy Ghost? If you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you would not be here today. I said, you wouldn't be here right now. And there's a great evangelist, Brother Nick Mahaney, whose father was a tremendous evangelist. Brother Charles Mahaney was one of the greatest evangelists. Brother Nick Mahaney went away from God, backslid. He got so far out there, he got into the occult. cult. One particular time, his testimony, not mine, but on his mother's porch, he asked his mom, what are you crying? And she said, I just want to see you back in the house of God. And he stood on his mother's porch and began to curse the name of Jesus. And everything that he had been raised, that he saw. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people would thought think that he's gone too far. But Brother Mahaney didn't go too far for God's grace. In the prison cell, the Lord got a hold of him. Amen, he restored him. And now today, Brother Nick Mahaney is like his father preaching the gospel, seeing people baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I was preaching revival. One of my first revivals, I preached at my, my former home church in Memphis. It was in downtown Memphis. We had a ministry to the homeless. Amen. There was a young man who had been raised with a silver spoon in his mouth. His parents owned a lot of property in northern Mississippi. They sent him to Paris, a culinary school. He blew it all on drugs. You know, I grew up in the hood. He grew up having many properties. And he's still wealthy to this day. We even know it. We even know it. But when God saved him and delivered him, it was on a Wednesday night, he got the Holy Ghost. He danced all over me. I was in the altar praying. I was like, who in the world is kicking me? They're rude. And God was filling Hall Bridgeforth with the Holy Ghost. But Hall Bridgeforth started a ministry downtown, reaching the homeless. And it was great to see people, uh, uh, homeless people come and sit right next to the millionaires in our church. Amen. We believed in a multi-economic church, that God can save those from all walks of life. Praise God. I pray that God would give this church some millionaires. Amen. And so, Hall reached, and I'll never forget, preaching Downtown Revival, our downtown church. And in that revival, there was a man who had started coming back to our church. He was a backslidden UPC preacher. He had gotten so far away from God that he started getting involved in drugs, and then he got involved in the occult, doing all these seances and witchcraft. And as a result of him backsliding, his daughter never knew anything about church. She had never stepped foot in a church. All she knew was a party lifestyle. All she saw was her dad doing drugs. Never knew that he was a preacher, a licensed United Pentecostal Church preacher. All she knew was witchcraft and drugs and party. But when he came back to God, Brother Nichols, <laughs> amen. I'll never forget, I was just young. I, didn't, I was young and dumb. I'm still young and dumb i never forget, Brother Nichols started serving God. The Lord restored him. He was refilled with the Holy Ghost. He became committed. He was right down the front row. Amen. And in that downtown church revival, his daughter came with him. i never forget, right there, underneath the sun, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. She was laid out on the concrete speaking in tongues. My pastor looked over to me. He said, Ethan, He said, this is a bona fide miracle right here. He said, and he began to tell me the story. He said, this is a bona fide miracle. She should be a statistic. She should not be filled with the Holy Ghost because of the lifestyle that her dad lived. But look at God's grace. Look at God's mercy. I come to tell somebody in this place, you might not have a lot of money. So the good news is for you, It might not be as hard for you because you don't have a whole lot weighing you down, tying you down. So, amen. If it's not so hard for you, then I come to tell you that it's possible. You can be forgiven. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And even if you do have a lot of money, it's not impossible because with God, all things are possible. Amen. You can be forgiven. You can, amen, be restored. Hallelujah. Conviction is working. But don't you stop praying. Don't you stop believing. Because nothing is too hard for God. Can you lift up your hands right now? Can somebody lift up your voice right now? Come on, in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, God, you can save anybody. (laughs) You can deliver anybody, Jesus. So we come to you right now, Lord, asking you to do your work. What only you can do in this place. Oh God, we can deliver your word, but you Holy Spirit are working on somebody's heart. Letting them know that no matter what their economic status is, no matter what their educational level is, no matter what their pedigree in life is, that it does not matter who they are, Lord, you can save them, you can cleanse them. You can fill them with your spirit. You said, oh God, in your word, if you believe uh, that you can receive. You said, if you believe, uh, amen. All things are possible to those that believe. So Lord, we release our faith uh, because of your grace, uh, because of your work at Calvary, because of who you are, Jesus, uh, because you are worthy. We put our trust in you. We put our hope in you. We put our faith in you, Jesus, to do what only you can do today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Come on somebody release your faith right now Come on somebody open up your mouth right now Tell the Lord that you trust him Come on tell the Lord that you believe in him Come on somebody recommit to the Lord today Come on that's it somebody Whatever you gotta give up Oh God I will forsake all I would take up my cross and follow you. (laughs) I'm through preaching, but the Holy Ghost is reaching somebody here today. Somebody that the devil's lied to, somebody that the enemy has told you that you can't be forgiven. Somebody that the enemy has told you that you've messed up, you've done so many things wrong that you can never, that's a lie from hell. The Lord is reaching somebody right now, somebody that the enemy's told that you can never receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That it's not for you. That's a lie from the enemy. The promise is unto you. I'm about to open up these altars in just a moment for anybody that wants to come. For anybody that wants to take up your cross and follow him. For anybody that wants to make a decision unlike that rich young Instead of walking away sorrowful. You've got your mind made up that you're going to follow Jesus all the way. Just a moment, this praise team is going to begin to sing. If anybody would just forget about lunch for a second, forget about what you have going on later on this evening, somebody would just allow Jesus to work in your life, or at least in somebody's life beside you, I believe God's going to do his perfect work here today. While he was giving a speech on space exploration, at Rice University. It was September the 12th, 1962. President John F. Kennedy said these words, which are now famous. He said, we choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Ladies and gentlemen, the same is true concerning salvation. The same is true concerning making it to heaven. What we are doing here today is making a choice. Not because life is gonna be easy. Not because living for God is gonna be easy. I wish I could tell you that if you will serve the Lord, you're never gonna get sick. You're never gonna have have financial troubles. You're never gonna have relationship issues. I wish I could tell you that, but I come and tell somebody that when you live for God and you have a made up mind, you're gonna go through some things but it doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter the things that you might have to give up in order to enter into the kingdom. Whatever you do here today, by God's grace, be determined to follow the Lord all the way. It will always be easy, but it's necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So I say to somebody here today, if you understand that it might not be easy, but it's possible that with God all things are possible, your situation is possible, your life is possible, that you can be forgiven, that you can be restored, that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you can be renewed in the Holy Ghost. If you are here today and you want to make that recommitment, I'll open up this front. I'll open up the altar for anybody that wants to come now. We we, we want to keep everybody safe. If you don't feel comfortable, we understand. You can lift up your hands right where you are. But if there's anybody that will say, I don't care what it is, uh, hey, amen, I want God to do a work in my life today. If you are here today, you know you need forgiveness. If you are here today, you have not yet received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or if it's been a long time since you've spoken in tongues, if you are here today and you just want to recommit some things, uh, the Lord, conviction, you feel the Lord dealing with you, drawing you, come on, make your way right now. Come on, somebody, amen, don't don't leave this service today without going by way of the altar come on, hallelujah because when you make your way to Jesus I mean, when you make that commitment to follow him, when somebody steps down this altar, I guarantee you that you're not going to leave sorrowful, hallelujah but you're going to leave with joy hallelujah, you're going to leave with joy today, that's it, all over this house hallelujah, hallelujah